Welcome to the next episode of Simon Says, Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. This is your host, Al Simon, with Sandler Training. And Simon Says, Let's Talk Business is a show where we we spotlight high-performing business professionals. And we do this in order to sharpen our skills, learn new ideas and concepts, share best practices, and get to know really smart people. Uh, So listen carefully. Take notes. Look for their contact information at the end of the segment so that you can engage with them. As always, we will conclude with a sales tip from me in our Ask Al segment. And I'm pumped because today I get one of my good friends and clients as my guest, Jan Haybrook, the CEO and founder of MD Outlook. Jan, welcome. Thank you, Al. Good to have you on the show. It's been a while, huh? I mean, I've been promising to get you on the show, and it was just busy, busy, busy. I've and been counting the days now. Yes, well, it's probably been marked on your calendar forever, I'm sure, stars and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, MD Outlook, it's a great and interesting company, and, and it's, it's exciting to get a chance to spotlight it today. And I, and I guess what maybe let's talk about how you, how you did it, right? How, how did, you know, why did you start this company that you call MD Outlook? Al, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, we've really appreciated the collaboration over the last uh, year or so. Um, and I'm very pleased to be here to talk about MD Outlook. Uh, I started MD Outlook in 2007, um, really with the purpose of providing better insights to pharmaceutical companies, life sciences companies, and to create a 360 view of complex diseases. Um, focusing on oncology, hematology, rare diseases. One of the challenges for many of the life sciences brands are who is treating that disease? Why are they treating it? Um, How are they treating it? What are the the reasons for the treatment decisions? And we felt that by engaging physicians in in a more open, more transparent way and sharing back the insights that we gain from those physicians, we would actually learn more about the market and that's what uh, our story has been okay and and you are a medical professional yourself right well i always say that yes i went to med school but i'm not a doctor don't ask me for medical advice because i wouldn't be the right uh, you know advisor for you right. but i know enough to be dangerous yes, yes. and you have uh, you have assembled a team of medical experts Correct. Yes, we have a team of uh, MDs and PhDs that are our analysts. They really understand and have treated uh, patients, so they know how physicians are thinking. They know how they are uh, want to engage, how they are working, and that expertise and knowledge is something that we bring to the table. So we're not just market research and insights professionals and business consultants, but we really bring that clinical thinking to the. To, uh, to our clients. Okay, and, and your clients are the large pharmaceutical, well, not, not don't have to be large, right, but pharmaceutical companies, I guess, and they're, well, what is the value that, that MD Outlook brings to them? Yeah, so our clients range from uh, truly large blue-chip pharmaceutical companies that uh, are part of many people's investment portfolios to the really small uh, organizations that have one drug that they want to bring to the market. Okay. Um, in the pharmaceutical research, a lot is riding on one drug. Um, you know, we know that a lot of uh, people complain about high drug prices, and yes, that c- it can be a challenge. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that out of you know ten thousand opportunities, uh, only one will he- hit the market. And of the one that hits the market, 
of every 10 that hit the market, only seven will make back their dollars. Wow. So the, the funnel, if you think about a mm -hmm. funnel, um, and your business is a lot about thinking about funnels. We talk about funnels a lot in uh, sales, you know, yeah. You can just <laughs> think about that conversion rate, right? If right. you go from 10,000 to you know, seven out of 10 actually making a return back. So My it goodness. is critically important that they get the, the decision making around launching that product, that, that those are the right decisions. Right. And that's what we help our, our clients make is better decision making because they truly understand what is happening in the market. Yes, and in in these 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 critical diseases, especially oncology, uh, the whole oncology area, and, and we all know there's no what there's no cure for cancer, but it, but the information that that you bring to the table, the, the thought leadership you bring to the table, helps people to 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 have better choices on treatment and so on. Yes, by having better insight, you know, by, by measuring, you can mm -hmm. make better choices. We yeah. all know that that, that is really important. Yeah. And one of the things about oncology that people really don't appreciate much is it is, one, it's a disease of your own body. Two, it, you know, you've got 60-plus organs. So you've, when you talk about cancer, you really have 60-plus diseases. And even if wow. you think about something like breast cancer, you may think it's one disease, but you know it's actually probably about 13 diseases. So how do you handle that complexity? And yeah. we're trying to provide kind of insight into that complexity. My goodness. So, so how'd, you, how'd you get here? I mean, you, you, you started MD Outlook because you had this great idea and it's awesome, um, but, you, but were you always an entrepreneur or what was your journey like? Um, I've always been entrepreneurial, but I think there's a big difference between being an entrepreneur and being entrepreneurial. Okay. Uh, right. I think the difference really is about your ability to manage and deal with risk and uncertainty. Yeah. And I think you know the last uh, 12 months with uh, COVID have taught us, you know, all of us, how to deal with uncertainty, and and it's not for the faint of heart. We know that too. So, um, I have in my career gone from larger to smaller companies, from uh, being uh, you know, uh, Fortune 500 companies to being entrepreneur-led. And I appreciated that journey and I appreciated kind of the, the ability to work with a team very closely and really see the, the, the results of your labor yeah. as a team and corral around it and be, um, you know, celebrate that success. And in large organizations, it is so much more difficult to actually see your contribution to that success and have a uh, you know a corralling moment with a team around that and and that was part of i think the inspiration the other part of it is um i had been on the precipice of being an entrepreneur twice didn't make that decision for lots of different reasons and i was about 40 had a six-month-old son and thought you know this is the perfect time to become an entrepreneur when you have a six-month-old son? Uh, not right, but not quite. Yeah. But yes, okay. uh, it was, uh, you have to jump. And sometimes yes. you just jump and you swim. And yes. that's kind of, so I had the opportunity. I took the chance. And it's been uh, an incredible ride for the last uh, 12 years. Yes. It, well, obviously, I mean, in, so you started in 2007. All right, and, then, um, and then there was a recession right after that. 
And then, like I said, the last 12 months. So, yeah, like most entrepreneurs, you have you have had the highs and the lows along the way. Yeah, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. Yeah. And and when you read the management books or the books of, you know that entrepreneurs have put out, and you think about the lessons that they share, you you know, you take them on kind of intellectually, but you don't take them on emotionally. Yes. And I think living through the ups and downs that an entrepreneur lives through, uh, you realize that it is about staying the course, you know, uh, bobbing and weaving with the waves because mm. you are going to. Heads, you know, have some headwind and you're going to have some tailwind, but you got to stay the course. So resilience and the ability to, to course correct, sometimes pivot uh, along the way is really, really critical. Um, I did a, um, a session with uh, about 12 entrepreneurs on Friday uh, and we talked about, you know, course correcting and what actually is important in those course corrections. And what we learned there is uh, you have to make yourself vulnerable by making yourself vulnerable, you are going to be open to learn from, from others. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, uh, often you don't have people that you can talk to. Um, so finding fellow entrepreneurs, f you know, uh, counselors, uh, advisors, and having an open conversation about the challenges that you've got and addressing them is, is absolutely critical. Um, in our group of entrepreneurs, one of the things that we talk about is always, uh, you know, nobody, entrepreneurs are kind of opinionated. Are they? Uh, yes. Uh, you, you're looking at one, so you, you know that. Uh, well, you're looking at one, too. Yeah, so yeah exactly. We've had that conversation for sure. But, yeah. you know, I think part of it is, uh, you know, telling someone what to do versus uh, experience, uh, sharing an experience. So sharing what you have done in similar situations and letting the other person realize what that is, what is relevant for them and picking that up is an important uh, technique that we use a lot in the entrepreneurial uh, forum that I'm, I'm part of. Yes. And that way you actually start to uh, get to uh, a deeper sense of what it makes, uh, what it makes to be a good entrepreneur, what it makes to be a good leader. Well, in our audience is pretty much people who are trying to plug into uh, to, to expertise, and, and 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 they, by definition, almost they're they're lifelong learners, looking for new ideas, new ways to do things. And I think the best entrepreneurs. Uh, are never close-minded, right? Always learning from others, and it really is important, like you said, to build that team uh, of of mentors and 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 and, um, and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The pe people that you surround yourself with. Yeah, life like coaches. Minded. I mean, it's, yes. it's it's life coaches, but life both as a business person and 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 you know your own life, because mm -hmm. that's the one thing I think that um, um, I started to appreciate is that. In the entrepreneurial journey, you're going to involve your significant other. You're going to involve your family. Uh, much more so, I think, than when you're really working for someone else. Yes. You may bring your worries at you know home and, and your frustrations home and your successes home, but it's still you're working for someone else. So the internal drive to be successful and to not let that spill over into your family um, affairs is, is really difficult. Do you feel the pressure to kind of um, uh, uh, support your employees, the people on your team? Do you, you, you feel that pressure palpably? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so we may have, you know, 
40 associates that we're working with, but we really know that those 40 associates all have a family that we're supporting. Right. And there's, that support structure is incredibly important because if that support structure isn't the right one, the associate is not going to perform. Right. So we try to do a lot in terms of uh, that. You know, we have a, uh, a fairly generous PTO policy, and one of the things I always tell every associate, every uh, person that interviews for a job is, you know, you, you don't live to work, you work to live. And we are there to support that work to live uh, approach. We want to work with people that are professionals, um, you know, no infighting, no, not kind of, you know, uh, just be professional. You show up and you, you deliver what you agreed to deliver. Right, you give your best and then you, and then you stop and go home and, and, and engage with your family and be, be a person, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and flexibility, right? Because mm. life happens as we, mm. you know, are, are on that journey and so you may have to go to the dentist. Well, you know, uh, that's fine. You, I know that you know professionals are going to make up the time that they spend on something else, yes. somewhere else. So we don't, um, let's say, count the hours. We really look at the output of, of each of the persons on our team and have uh, frank conversations if it's not what it needs to be. And we have we celebrate the success of anybody in the team. And and I know that's not just lip service that you're talking about. I've been working with your team for just over a year now, and uh, and it's definitely that way. You, you care about those folks, and uh, there's been no turnover in that group, which is amazing. I just jinxed you, didn't I? I hope, hope not. But <laughs> I'm, I, I'm hoping that I'm hiring today, uh, actually. So, no, nice. uh, I don't think you've yeah. jinxed me. Okay, good. It's like the TV, you know, the, the TV analysts on the golf programs, right, where they say this person hasn't three-putted in the last, you know, what, 36 holes or whatever, and boom, they three-putt. It happens every time. All right, so let's go back to the, the pharmaceutical uh, bio, what you call biopharmaceutical space. Uh, you know, what have you learned uh, about that in the last, what, 12 to 14 years? Um, well, uh, do you have an hour? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Two hours? Give us the high points. Uh, no, okay. yeah. uh, um, it is a incredibly talented um, group of people that you work with. Mm -hmm. Most of them have uh, graduate degrees, so they're very smart people, uh, very analytical, and they have at their heart, the, the care of the patient. Um, and what they do uh, you know, is really driven by that care for the patient. Um, and one of the things that is really challenging in the, in the life sciences space is that you're, as a physician, you're not purchasing a product. You're maybe prescribing it, um, but you're not actually physically paying for it. So it is kind of an, 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 a convoluted you know, purchase decision as right. opposed to normal business to business. Right. So there's a lot of mechanisms around that um, purchase decision that speak around, uh, you know, providing insight, providing knowledge, providing clinical, uh, uh, you know, uh, data to make the right decision. Um, and, and that is a, it, it just makes for a very complex you know, marketplace. So mm. one of the things that I've learned uh, as well is that uh, the, the life sciences industry really works by big data and we call it real world evidence. So finding ways to capture what is happening in the real world. And one of the challenges is, okay, well, I know now what has been done, but do I know why it has been done? So marrying mm. the why 
of that real world evidence you know and 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 the deeper understanding that still is something that we as a as an industry haven't figured out really and, and, and because you know you journal and so mm-hmm. you know why you've made some decisions but if i only measure the, the decisions that you've made i don't have access to your journal so oh, how would i know how, why you've made those decisions and that's part of the thing that we do within md outlook to provide that why, the deeper kind of understanding of people's decision making. Right, okay. Yeah, so that's what you mean by big data, right? Really being able to to garner and, and, and to analyze the data so that it's, it's real information that can be used well. Yeah, it, it goes beyond information. It goes mm-hmm. actually to what we would say actionable insights, is that yeah. you have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the you understand why something has been done and therefore you can act upon it. Yeah, which is really important when you're talking about the diseases that you're that you're working with. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about about um, about pharmaceutical. I mean, you know, there's that term big pharma that has kind of demonized out there in the social uh, world, and the I think the average person uh, thinks of these companies as being so impersonal. But you say they care, right? They really care. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but it's really difficult because it's a very mm. regulated environment too, yeah. right? So, you know, think through regulations and get to know the people and you'll see that they're absolutely passionate about uh, improving cancer care. Um, mm-hmm. And they show it through, you know, the, f- uh, the posts that they will put on LinkedIn where they've run another 10,000, you know, a t- a 10K or organize another uh, marathon because they're supporting uh, the disease. And right. that is really, um, you know, that really goes to the heart. Often it is an in, a, a personal relationship that they've got because they've got a, a loved one that is suffering from that disease. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a personal drive for why are you focused on cancer? Yes. It's not a fun place to be, right? It's, it's a, it's it's a so challenge. Important. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is so important. And it must be, it, it must be satisfaction for you to know that you're doing good work, right? You and your team, you're doing good work. Yeah, I think so. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it's. We have had some some of our market research studies published. Uh, we've presented and had poster scientific poster presentations at the American uh, Society for Clinical Oncology, which is the professional organization of cancer treaters. Okay. So the fact that we can actually contribute to kind of a, a better understanding of that disease is, yeah. is powerful. We're, yeah. we're, we're harnessing kind of that social power of, or social knowledge of, uh, of a disease yes. and how to, how to treat it. Okay. I want to step back to second, Jan, because, this is, because your, your story is so interesting. I mean, you did not, you were not born and raised in the U.S. You, 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 you were born and raised in Europe, right? And Correct. You, and at some point you came to, to the U.S. So, you know, what are your, kind of the life lessons you've learned as being a sort of a transplant into the United, you know, the United States and the business environment here? Uh, again, do you have an hour? No, you don't. Uh, you know, the, uh, there are many lessons learned, but I think the, yeah. lesson, the, cr- the critical lessons learned is that we're 97, 98% the same, and we always tend to focus on the differences because they're yes. kind of interesting. But yes. the reality is we're very much the same. We're driven by the same values, the same uh, desires for our, ourselves, our families, et cetera. So embrace that, harness that. Um, in terms of d- business and business, uh, you know, there's little things like 
in our country, in the Netherlands, you know, you, you are on time. That is really, really critically important. That's not always the case in all of the uh, different you know, countries, right? Yes, right. Um, we are very, I'll use an old term, WYSIWYG. What you see is what oh, you get. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. that you know, tells us the gray hairs that we've got, right? I don't see any gray hairs. There uh, are none. Okay, check yeah, out yeah, the pictures. But, yeah. that, <laughs> but, but you know, we're, we're very transparent. We're kind of direct and blunt. It, and, yes. and if you're able to appreciate that, it makes for better, uh, kind of better business because you kind of cut the BS, right? Yes. But we, I realize coming out of that environment is that there is a lot of uh, personal uh, affection and communication that needs to happen. So you, you have to establish a rapport. Yes. And, and so that's one of the things that you learn. Um, another thing is that because you go to an environment that you're unfamiliar with, um, you're going to take everything as fa at face value, mm -hmm. everything, uh, and they're going to take you at face value, and that's actually really refreshing. If you don't, if you meet ten people and you have no idea about their uh, background and uh, where they come from and the accents that they've got m have no meaning to you, you're going to approach everybody really, really fresh. Yes, because you know, and you're you're in the business of you know understanding psychology and understanding behavior. You know that we form an opinion in. Point two seconds, it's, one second. It's not long. Yes, <laughs> and if you don't have that, just think mm -hmm. about how how refreshing that actually is. Yes, and 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 you and your team, because you have a worldwide presence, you really get to interact with lots of different kinds of people. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, absolutely, we we have a team in in India that uh, does a lot of engineering work for us, and um, one of the emails that they sent early on, they they. You know, said uh, on a couple of thing points that we had asked them to work on. We have doubts. Well, in in when you think about that in the U.S. perspective, when someone says I have doubt about something, that means that oh, um, there's something big happening. For them, it was just a question. They just had questions. If we would have uh, you know taken on the doubt word we would have gone into a far different direction than just understanding that actually just they just had some clarifications that they wanted to to get yes so it's really about uh, uh minimizing the number of disconnects that you have with people because that's about rapport right? making sure that there's understanding in both directions yeah and 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 vice versa we will yeah. be saying things that they go like huh uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes and so it's it's, it's looking for the huh and then making sure that you that you smooth it over, have clear communication. And I was talking about this issue with one of our clients the other day because that you know that not blunt way of of talking. A lot of times, salespeople like it when the prospect is nice and but yet wishy washy because it's not a friction laden conversation. But you don't know where you stand. You know, so I'm with you. Let's be blunt. Let's let's do that. Let's let's talk it out and make sure we understand where each other is on that. Yeah, well, you know, you've yeah. you've spoken to us about the upfront contracts, right? Yes. So having an upfront contract, I think that is uh, the power of a lot of business conversations is setting expectations and making sure that you fulfill those expectations, and then have a wraparound about did I meet those expectations? Yes, and we learn that those are good presentation practices but they are really good business practices they're good conversation practices they are aren't they they are yeah always 
people know where they stand, that they know what your expectations are, you know what theirs are, and then you can you can plan out whatever it is you're planning out. Yeah, and you can have a clearing round about, you know, did I did I not do something that I promised or are we are you expecting something that I didn't deliver on or uh, or the opposite and right. that is that's helpful. That's a, that's, that's a great life lesson. Uh, learn. Thank you for sharing that, Jan. So, yeah, this is Al Simon with uh, Sandler Training, and we're, you're listening to Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X, and our guest is Jan Haybrook, the CEO and founder of MD Outlook, and uh, he has shared so many insights, but like we said, we could take another couple hours and really explode this out. But um, if anybody wants to learn more, Jan, wants to engage with you, what's the best way to do that? The best way would be to go to our website, mdoutlook.com. Um, and if you want to talk to us directly, just send an email to info at mdoutlook.com. And, uh, you know, my team will get back to you. And uh, that would be the best way to get a hold of us and learn more about us. Okay. So the email address is info at mdoutlook.com. The website is mdoutlook.com. Perfect. All right. Very good. Thanks for being here, yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been great. It's been I great. appreciate it. And so, as always, we'll uh, conclude our, our show today on Simon Says Let's Talk Business with our Ask Al segment where listeners have sent in their questions on sales uh, to be discussed here on the air. And if you would like to send me a question you have on sales, send it to al.simon at sandler.com. And uh, you just might get your question read and answered here on the show. The question that I've selected today to address uh, came from a listener, obviously, and it says, in 2021, what are the best platforms to leverage for prospecting? Uh, I assume, that the, uh, you know, I mean, I shouldn't assume, but I can maybe guess the context of this question. It might be because we've been through 12 months of pandemic and, it's, and everything has changed in business. And so has has prospecting changed? And I, I think the answer is per, very clearly yes. Most definitely it has. Um, and maybe even permanently. But that's probably good. There's probably good reasons to change the way people prospect uh, permanently. And there's, there's, now, 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 prospecting means you're looking to grow revenue in some way. So most people think immediately of getting new business. But there's also the ability to get to get more revenue by leveraging existing business, what we call wallet share. So if, a, if an organization or an individual is, uh, uh, it, you know, it, is, is buying a certain amount of stuff from, from you, but they also uh, buy other things in your space from other people, that means you don't have 100% of their wallet share. And so account management is one of the most important ways to prospect by, by keeping your, your customers happy and by being a little bit bold in terms of asking about other things they spend money on uh, and seeing if there's some things that uh, you can do to get that business. So uh, so we call that account management, but most people think of account management as simply keeping accounts. But in our world, account management means growing accounts. But of course, there is that major portion of prospecting, which is getting new business. Very important to get new business. and. And, and, and I think if you're in the B2B space, business-to-business space, LinkedIn is absolutely the only way to go in terms of social media. Yeah, I mean, well, not the only way to go, but it's the major way. It's the most important way. These days, 
LinkedIn has become a de facto way of connecting with new people and exchanging uh, ideas and and and, uh, and and also for referrals and introductions, which by the way is still still the number one way to get new business, which is referrals and introductions from uh, from current accounts, uh, from uh, strategic alliance partnerships that you have, uh, networking partnerships that you have. Uh, everybody knows everybody, uh, and and you know, in, which is what LinkedIn, by the way, is based on the six degrees of separation. And so it's tapping into what other people know, who other people know. And, and also the other part of that is connecting others yourself so that you're not just always taking, you're also giving. So it's giving to get. So I would suggest that using LinkedIn to post content, to review content and like and comment on content, to engage with people in a way. Now, it's a long-term game, Jan. I mean, it's, this is one of the biggest uh, mistakes I see on LinkedIn is people connect with somebody and immediately try to pitch them and, and that is the worst way to do things connect with people start the conversation it's a long-term game uh, no pitching allowed that's just for baseball let's uh, let's keep it that way and engage with people like and comment on their posts and see when they uh, read yours and engage with yours and then that starts the conversation uh, b2c too linkedin has a lot of uh, of of, of uh, a functionality that the that in the B2C world uh, is is also worthwhile, and then and then there's uh, uh, digital prospecting, you know, which is a way to use email and other digital ways, but it needs to be very very customized. You know, you can you you can do blast emails. That's one way to get new business, uh, but it's it's such a low connect rate. But if you if you can if you have a target market and you are customizing uh, your your emails and not spamming people. That's another good way of doing it. I get asked a lot of the time, is cold calling still relevant? Well, yes and no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's still true that if you think cold calling is going to work or if you think cold calling is not going to work, you're right. That's pretty much it. So, um, but most people are not doing cold calling these days. And, but if you do want to do go cold calling, if you do think cold calling is the way to go, please talk to me because there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. As with most things, as with most as as with most things. So that's the Ask Al segment today. What is the best way to prospect in the world post-pandemic? Although we're not really post yet, are we? No, we're not. This has been Al Simon with Sandler Training, and the show is Simon says, "Let's talk business on Business, business Radio X." Our guest Jan he- Jan Haybrook. I'm getting it all messed up all of a sudden. Jan Haybrook, CEO and founder of MD Outlook. Thank you, Jan, for being here. Thank you, Al. And uh, tune in again uh, next month for our next show. And as always, good selling.